that is your go-to thing. And so if you were to do a partial fast, you may say, all right, for this day, I'm not going to participate in that particular thing. Some of you that drink Coke and sodas and colas and things like this, you might say, I'm not, I'm not drinking the Coke for this day or whatever it may be. But you could decide on what that item was. That would be a partial fast. You like donuts. You like, I mean, Daniel is saying here, I didn't eat any pleasant bread. So the things that we would enjoy might be things that we would put aside that would be part of a partial fast. It's a restriction of diet, but it's not a total abstention. So there's normal fasting. There is partial fasting. Esther chapter 4 and verse 15, Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast you for me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. The other example of this type of fast is in Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul, who would later become Paul, arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. So you have normal fasting, you have partial fasting. This would be absolute fasting. And it means abstaining from water and food. And the absolute fasting that is given in both of these passages of Scripture is three days. Three days. Beyond three days without water, you could do some real damage to your body. And so absolute fasting in, in this case is no food and no water for three days. All right, so we have normal fasting. We have partial fasting. We have absolute fasting. These are all types of fasting in the Bible. Another type of fast that takes place, Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse number 9. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tablets of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode, this is Moses, in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. So Moses goes up into the mount to receive the tablets of stone, and he says, for forty days and forty nights. I did not eat bread nor drink water. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. In both of these passages, we would say that the type of fasting that takes place here is supernatural fasts. They are exceptions. They are exceptions. And they should never be engaged in unless one has very, very clear commands from God. And then no more than three days. It's a supernatural fast. Your body cannot handle more than three days without water. So these are all types of fasting in the Bible that we see. 
We see normal fasting. We see partial fasting. We see absolute fasting. And we see supernatural fasting. And there's another type of fasting that occurs that is a corporate fast. On the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 23, the entire nation would fast together. During times of national emergency in Joel chapter 2 and verse 15, they fasted together. <clears throat> the invasion that took place during the reign of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, everybody fasted. Jonah, when he preached to Nineveh, the Bible says that it was such an occurrence that the people fasted and the animals fasted as well. Everybody went on a fast. When they returned from uh, Babylon back to Jerusalem, Ezra, the people went into a corporate fast. So that can be helpful to bring people together in unity and focus. When everybody comes together and it's a corporate fast with a focus, it brings unity. That is also a type of fasting in the scripture. But by and large, fasting in most cases is a private matter between the person and God. It is a private thing. Now, there's a passage of scripture that reveals how not to fast with regard to it being something between you and God. And it takes place in Luke as well. Luke chapter 18, verse number 9. Jesus is uh, responding to the Pharisees, and I want you to take note of what happens and where they are fasting, and then the response of Jesus. He spoke this parable unto a certain, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So the problem here was it was a frequent practice of the Pharisee to fast on market days. And the reason for that is so that they could be seen by everybody. And everybody would know that they are praying and fasting, and they would stand in the center of the market when everybody was there, and the crowd was there. And so it became not a personal matter between them and God. It became a, uh, a self-exaltation. And, and Jesus was very clear that this was not how spiritual disciplines should take place. It is not so that you can self-promote yourself. It's so that you can draw closer to God. So that is the types of fasting in the Bible. And, and that is the, the right approach in the scripture, that it's between me and God. So the importance of fasting and where it fits into the grand scheme of things is what we want to take notice next. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, this is connected to the verse that I just read. Jesus said, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, 
for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. They would purposely put on a scene. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. This was the Sermon of the Mount teaching. Jesus was teaching them, don't disfigure your face, don't stand in the marketplace, don't let everybody know that this is what you're doing, uh, don't put your head down so that people wonder if there's something wrong with you, this is not about any of that, this is about a spiritual discipline that is between you and God that you focus on, amen. When you fast indicates, Jesus said this to the disciples, and it was a sermon on the, the mount, when you fast, which means that this would be something that should be done. Amen. So this is not something that, that we just push to the side and say that was for another day. This is something that we as apostolic Christians should incorporate into our life, whether it is weekly, monthly, however you want to do it. It should be something that is done in our life so we could center ourselves in God. Jesus spent some time with his disciples and he spoke to them about fasting. And this has caused maybe some confusion on the part of some. It certainly did with the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 14, they came to him and they said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come. When the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Jesus was in their midst. And he was fulfilling all things. And so it was a time of celebration, not a time of fasting. And yet he said that when the bridegroom is taken, then shall they fast. And so during the church age, it would be appropriate for the church age, a new day had dawned. And it would be appropriate that the church, in the middle of all that they were going through, growing, expanding, persecution, uh, and what have you, even though they have the Holy Ghost, that they would spend time fasting. As a matter of fact, in Antioch, when it got to the point uh, where Saul and Barnabas were going to do a work and spread out into the world around them in a missionary endeavor, and when they, this is the church, they chose Barnabas and Saul, and when they had fasted and prayed, and laid their hands on them. They sent them away. So the importance of fasting and how it fits in the grand scheme of everything. Jesus said it is going to be something that should be incorporated into the life of individuals. How many just love to fast in the building here tonight? I mean, you just really, really love it. Raise your hand. How many really enjoy it? See, not many do. How many hate fasting? Well, I shouldn't say hate. How many dislike fasting? Raise your hand. All right, just about everybody in the building dislikes fasting. Why? Because 
because it it curbs it curbs our appetite. It we are suppressing our own appetite. That's what fasting is. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a real good thing. And Jesus was giving to us the example of how the church fasted, how he taught and uh, instructed his disciples to fast, though not while he was with them. And so fasting is important. Now, that brings us to this point. What is the purpose of fasting? Some of you have asked. I'm coming to church and I hear people say, well, we need to pray and we need to fast. Well, what, is, what does it mean? I mean, I understand praying. We pray. That's, that's important. That's communication to God. But what is the purpose of fasting? Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16 tells us the proper motive. It's an inward thing. It's an inward thing. It's not a sad countenance. It's not disfiguring the face. They'll, they'll have their rewards for that. But it is a, an inward thing between you and God. If we use good things to our own end, that's a sign of false religion. And I, I just, this has nothing to do with what I'm saying here, but I just want to insert it because I, I feel it's important to say. And it's really, really bothering me. If you're in a situation and the anointed of God, which is the ministry, pastoral ministry, preacher, teacher, pastor, whatever, is in your life. And that person is being immoral, immoral. And when I say immoral, it could be sexually. It could be in a, a variety of things that are immoral. He is, not, he is not following the scripture. And then when there is a question about that, he turns around and says, touch not the Lord's anointed. I want to tell you, that is seriously false religion. That is not correct. It is not right. And you need to run, run, run. Because that is not a man of God. That is an immoral man that needs to be removed from his office and needs to find a place of repentance. That does extreme damage to people that are supposed to trust the ministry and then the ministry rules with a wrought iron over them. That is not right. Hello? Somebody said amen. That is not right. Right. I have a responsibility to be accountable to you just like you have a responsibility to be accountable to me. I am not a Lord over God's heritage. I'm a child of God trying to be the best that I can be. And if I'm not the best that I can be, I need to find an altar and pray and fast and get rid of some things in my life so that the church can be unified and powerful and have revival, not filled with confusion, not destroying people's confidence in the ministry and people's life. That's of hell. That's not of heaven. That's not of God. That's of the devil. Now let me get back to my Bible study. I've heard that on several occasions and, and ladies and gentlemen, that is just not right. It's not right. That's going to cause spiritual dysfunction and emotional disturbance in people that's not easy to get over. And it will take an act of God for somebody to ever be able to trust ministry again.
There are people sitting on these pews here tonight that have undergone horrific abuse by ministry. It is wrong. And I thank God that you're even here in the house because God's still in the business of doing signs, miracles, and wonders. And, and, and some of these stories that are here are horrific. It is horrific. Praise God. I, I, I want to be the best that I can be. Amen. I don't want to abuse any position or title, nor should anybody else. We are all in the kingdom of God. We are helping each other not compete. Not compete. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, I'm not here competing. We are here to produce Turn to the other neighbor and say, we're here to produce. We all work together to produce something in the house of God. You start competing against each other, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going anywhere. Praise God. But if we get together and we say, what you've got's good and what I've got's good, let's link up and, and let's do it together, then revival can take place and something can happen because we're all working together and not against each other. Amen. Well, uh, what is the purpose of fasting? Uh, fasting must center on God. It is God initi initiated and it's God ordained. Many times praying and fasting are, are connected. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 4 said, Then came of the, the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priest, saying, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years when they were in captivity, did you at all fast unto me, even to me? So fasting is something that is, is unto God. That's one reason and purpose of that. Why, why am I fasting? I'm fasting unto God. Number two. There are other purposes. It reveals what controls us. Did you know that eating can be a coping mechanism? <clears throat> and if we're not careful, it, it satisfies us, and so we can, we can cover up what is inside us with food and other things. But fasting causes weakness to rise to the surface, and it reveals what controls us. Psalm 69 and verse 10, the psalmist said, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, I chastened my soul with fasting, anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear. If they are within us, they will surface when we are fasting. And then healing comes when these things are revealed. Amen. I don't want to walk around like an ostrich with my head in the sand, not knowing that there are some things in my life. But I want to be self-aware so that I can deal with some things. If I have a, a problem with some of these things that I've just mentioned, fasting reveals some of those things. I'm, I'm sustained not by food. I am sustained by God. And I am in the process of fasting. I'm supposed to feast on his word. And fasting is feasting because I'm, it's spiritually. It's spiritual feasting because I'm focusing on the word of God. Amen. John chapter 4 and verse 31, watch what Jesus says. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And Jesus said unto them, I, I have meat to eat that you know not of. His disciples said one to another, 
Did anybody bring him something to eat? Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of God that sent me and to finish the work. And so he's talking about a, another sustaining, another nutrient. He's talking about his power and his ability and the will of God. Jesus was nourished and sustained by the power of God. We are not to act miserable when fasting because we are not miserable because we are doing the will of God. We're not going to become a Pharisee that disfigures their face. We're going to put a smile on our face and recognize and know I'm doing this unto God and it's going to make me better in the kingdom of God to do the will of God so that I can finish the work of God. I want to be involved in the work of God. Amen. There's a lot of things that you can be involved in. I understand you have occupations, you got jobs, and then you got hobbies, and you got a lot of other things. But make sure that you don't push the work of God all the way to the background, and then God gets the scraps of everything else that you're doing. Pull that stuff to the forefront and say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to me afterwards. Fasting helps us with balance. It is so easy to let the non-essentials take over, and we end up craving things that we do not need until we are enslaved by them. And so fasting just creates a, a balance, a balance. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. My appetite is not going to control me. Not only my appetite with food, but there's a lot, our, we, are, we have a lot of appetites and, and you can let an appetite get completely out of control. Fasting is a way of, of, of bringing that all into balance and saying, nothing is going to control me. And this discipline is what brings freedom. And God rewards us. He rewards us with increased effectiveness in prayer, guidance in decisions, and increased focus, a physical well-being. He brings to us revelation and enlightenment and strength all when we incorporate fasting into our spiritual life. And everybody said amen. Praise God. Praise God. So the practice of fasting. Brother McAllister, if you'd come to the piano, that's all we need. We just need some music so that we can conclude this tonight with prayer uh, for some special needs. When you, so so take, take all of this into account. Number one, fasting is in the Bible, uh, and many of the, the leaders, arch-typical leaders in the Scripture, all fasted Jesus himself. And there are many different types of fasting in the Scripture, normal fasting, partial fasting, absolute fasting, uh, supernatural fast are things that are exceptions, corporate fast, church comes together to fast. So those are the types of, of fast that you see. And it's important, and it fits into the grand scheme of God's kingdom. And its purpose is so that we can, um, we can do it to God, first of all. And then secondary, it reveals what controls us, and it helps us with balance. Amen. And in the process of that, it increases our effectiveness in being a spiritual man or woman of God. Amen.
it is a tool that God gives to us, just like prayer is important. Amen. And so we should not view it as something that is negative, but we should view it as something that is positive because it's going to help my prayer life. Amen. Because when I fast and some things rise to the surface, I'm going to have to pray about that to overcome that. Amen. It gives me a better focus and it gives me some physical well-being. Praise God. And it gives me enlightenment and revelation. So if, if, if fasting is something that you want to incorporate into your life, and you should, learn to walk before you run. Amen. Don't go on a three-day fast in the beginning. Go on a partial fast. Maybe give up one meal. It's an inward attitude of the heart. Why am I doing this? And then you should always break a fast with a light meal. Don't do what I did one time. I was I was fasting. I was fasting. I was, you know, I was young. I was uh, 19. I was dating a young lady by the name of Sheremy. I wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing. And so I went on a three-day fast. First first time I'd ever done anything like that before. And and I by the end of that, I was I was so hungry. And I went to Arby's and got me a big old huge roast beef sandwich and curly fries and don't do that. Fried foods are. The result of that was worse than three days of fasting. Let me just put it that way, okay? <laughs> so you may go on a partial fast. You may cut something out uh, for a particular day. And, and then you might step into a normal fast, which is a 24-hour fast. And so you cut food out and you still drink water in healthy amounts. And if you can't handle the taste of just water, you, you, there's things that you could do. You could add a teaspoon of lemon juice. Um, you'll probably feel some hunger pains, but this is not real hunger. Your body's going to start screaming. The minute the minute you say, you know, the, the hardest part of a 24-hour fast is like the first hour. I can't eat anything for another 23 hours. Your body just, your head just start, starts talking to you. This could be an impossibility. No El Sombrero. <laughs> no. And, and your body's just doing all this stuff, right? It's like a self-indulgent child that wants its way. And so what you're saying is no, huh, no, this is not, this is not real hunger. This is not real hunger. This is like a spoiled child, and my flesh is just grumbling. And then, and then beyond that, if you move into a three-day fast for things that are important, but just be very, very careful because if you don't drink water for three days, you can you can cause yourself some problems. But you can go a long period of time without food. Amen. Never forget spiritually what goes on more than what physically goes on. Amen. Praise God. Have some joy knowing that God's going to sustain me through this. And, and I'm going to control my appetites, amen, and bring my thoughts into subjection because I want to do the will of God. I hope this helps you tonight, amen. Some of you have asked. We haven't spent time talking about this in, in, in a long time, but but I would, I would challenge you and encourage you in the next days, do some type of, of fast since we've taught on it, whether it's a partial, whether it's a 24-hour fast, or whether it's an extended fast. Amen. And pray that God strengthens you 
And in the process of strengthening you, strengthens us. Amen. Individually and corporately, that God will continue to do a revival in our midst. Amen. As we stand together in the house of God tonight, let's pray about that right now. Lord, I thank you and praise you and worship you. Praise God. I want to be somebody that is sustained, sustained by your word and the strength of your word and not my own appetites. Praise God. I pray that you would bring direction to us and you would enlighten us and give to us a spiritual focus that sometimes we just will not attain if we don't silence everything in our world for a few moments of time and we focus upon you. Praise God. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We need to pray tonight for Brother Joel Holmes, who was just diagnosed with colon cancer, is going to have to have the surgery to remove a cancerous mass on Thursday. And so that's uh, that's some pretty heavy news. We want to pray for him and the church family. We want to continue to pray for Sister Doris Williams and Sister Dixie, that God will continue to bring strength and healing to them. Amen. Praise God. You'll see names that are projected here uh, on the wall here tonight. Amen. Are there any other pressing, pressing needs that go beyond people that uh, in the hospital, what have you? Let's see. I think I did receive a... We need to pray. Uh, I did receive a text right before service. Um, there are people around the world that are pleading for help uh, to the Global Missions Council and the WPF because they're in lockdowns. The Philippines, they're in lockdowns again, and they they don't have food. And so they are getting very, very desperate. It's not only happening in the Philippines, but it's happening in India. It's happening all over our world in places of poverty. Uh, so we need to pray for that as well. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Sister Bean is asking for a friend, Dennis Epperson. She's in the hospital with pneumonia. They put her on hospice today. She's ready to go and wants God to have his way. Amen. So we want to pray for her as well. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Brother Reggie. Yeah, speaking of diabetes, uh, Ronnie Parker, I, I'm not sure what the status is there. Lois had to take him in, but he's already had um, an amputation, and I think they may be having to do something again as well, so we need to pray for him. Amen. Praise God. Sister Jenny Allspaugh. Toe as well. Okay. Sister Jenny Allspa, we need to pray for her. Praise God. Amen. Man, I feel the I feel the Holy Ghost. This has been kind of a little different service. I mean, this is, uh, but there's a depth here, and I, I appreciate that. Amen. You don't always have to swing from the chandeliers to feel the depth and the strength of God. Amen. Sometimes we think that's the only way to define what a service is, but 
I feel that God is wanting to minister to everybody in this house here tonight. Amen. Look around you tonight. There's a good crowd in the house of God tonight. And you've gone throughout the world this day. Let's conclude this service and this day by saying, God, we want your direction, your power, and your ability on each and every one of these needs. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We agree together in the house of God. Hallelujah. I love you. I love you and I praise you and I thank you. Amen. That your anointing and your ability comes down in the house like it comes down right now. I pray that you would touch individuals' names that have been mentioned. I pray that your virtue would flow, that your power would flow to them. Praise God. Touch Sister Doris Williams that so wants to be in church. Nothing like being in the house of God among the people of God. I pray that you would lift her up and strengthen her. Sister Dixie, I pray that you would touch in Jesus' name, Brother Holmes, and the church that is connected there. I pray, God, that your hand and your ability, praise God. You're a great physician. You're worthy to receive praise. And we give to you adoration and we give to you praise. Let's thank him together right now, even though we may not see it. Hallelujah. God, you're well able, well able. Hallelujah. We ask all of these things. We speak these names to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody tonight as you make your way out of the church, or we will see you in the cafe. Amen. Remember service this coming uh, weekend, Sunday morning, Sunday night. God bless you.